What's up, everybody? This is Mr. James O'Neill here, keynote speaker, National Board Certified Math Teacher, and today, your podcast host. My mission is targeting mastery for all, empowered by equity for all, through the belief of expectations for who? For all, y'all. And if I'm saying y'all, y'all already know where I'm hailing from. It is the South. By way of Charlotte, North Carolina, the QC, Queen City. And you know what? I'm super excited that you decided to join me. Well, y'all know what month it is. It is February, the month of Black history. So I want to say happy Black History Month to every black person out there. And this is the month that we celebrate the accomplishments of black people here in America and across the world. And so today I am coming off the cuff of my head and I just want to unapologetically and transparently share some stories about being a black male teacher. Well, I don't know if you know it or not, but black male teachers make up 2% of the teaching population. Yes, 2% of the teaching population are black male teachers. And so if you have not had a chance to listen to my spoken word on episode one on why I became a teacher plug, let me tell you this right now. You need to go and listen to it because it is, first of all, I, I did it. So I think it's amazing, but it is my story. And then I break down what each little metaphor things that you may listen to, you may not know the meaning behind them. I really go into detail about what these things mean. Okay, so let's talk about being a black male teacher. Well, if you read or I wouldn't say, well, if you listen to the spoken word, then you will know that I grew up in a very small city. Um, I wouldn't even call it a city. It was a town. It was about 2000 people in the town and we were a very segregated town. In fact, we black people called the town the part of the town where white po- white people lived uh, white folks town and it was just so natural we said oh where are you going oh i'm going to white folks town it just came out of our mouths it is what it was and i look back at it now and i'm just like that's crazy country people just called in a place where white people live in our community white folks town because we didn't have anybody black living in that area so in that area that we were next to the river and so the people that lived on the river front were white people because they had the big houses um they were the ones with the money in that particular town called Bellhaven, north carolina which is still called Bellhaven, north carolina to this day but i grew up with a strong lens of the haves and have nots i knew that i was in a trailer park and i lived there for 18 years of my life until i graduated and went to college and my parents decided to buy a house and i'm not salty i'm not salty i'm not salty i'm happy that My little sister got a chance to grow up in a house and I grew up in a trailer. But needless to say, I shared a room with my brother. And that's just, you know, it's just me just talking and just reflecting since I'm talking out of my heart. But needless to say, I grew up poor. Um, There were other poor people around me, people poorer than me. But I didn't know how poor I was because I had two um, parents in the home that worked. And during Christmas, we did have stuff. 
I just didn't know that my parents were taking out loans for the Christmas presents, the go-kart that I got, the bikes that I got, the, um, I remember the toy car that I got, the, the one that flipped and <laughs> then all and went super fast. Like I didn't know that they were taking out loans for the clothes that they were buying for us. And so I didn't know until I was older. And there are some things that you hear in conversation. It's just like, oh, that's how y'all got that. Needless to say, I did not have a lot of expectations for me growing up in a little small town where black males did not do much. And that was the lens for the people um, that had were experiencing that. And that was a lens for those looking in on our lives, which in that town, it was just black or white. I got, we got our first Hispanic student when I was in eighth grade by the name of Jorge. And I became his mentor because I guess people felt like you're black. He's Hispanic. Y'all are people of color. Maybe <laughs> y'all can get along. Um, you're a nice guy as well as I was a nice student. Um, but I don't speak Spanish at all. <laughs> so um, Jorge became my um, buddy and I pretty much tried to mentor him and get him to um, acclimate to what we were at that time. But I was a pretty quiet child, so I was not the best of um, buddies. But needless to say, I found myself being a teacher. And if you go back to that first episode, you will hear how I became a teacher, but I'm a teacher now. And I left, I graduated from the NC State, and I ended up leaving NC State to go to Pittsburgh. And I had been under this narrative all my life that teachers are needed everywhere, right? So you come from a state where they're just like teacher shortage, teacher shortage, teacher shortage, teacher, teacher, teacher shortage. That's all you hear growing up. We need teachers. Teachers don't make money. We need teachers. Teachers don't make money. And that's all you hear. And so I'm just like, all right, I'm a black male math teacher. I can go anywhere. I can teach anything. I can teach anyone. There has to be a job opening for me. So I ended up moving to Pittsburgh and I moved there by connection to uh, my godfather at the time. And I moved there and I was just like, all right, job market, here I come. And I moved to Pittsburgh and find out that, oh, there's no teacher shortage here. I remember going to Pittsburgh and the district, I think it was East McKeesport, they were striking a teacher strike. Do you hear what I say? I have never heard of such a, th- I said, y'all can do that. And they were striking because of the lack of contract that they were working under. I say, y'all got a contract and y'all get the strike. What? And I was just blown away by the fact that they, they could do that. And they were not going to work until they reached an agreement. And so I did not know how segregated Pittsburgh was. I was used to being the minority. I went to NC State. It is a PWI, which is a predominantly white institute. Six um, percent of the population at NC State were black. And there were 26,000 people or students at the school when at the time I went. So I'm used to being in a class where there's just a sprinkle of us in there. That's the way I grew up in high school. And I'm just used to it. And so I moved to a city that was predominantly um, segregated um, until some some subsets some subsets were not and so 
what happened is that I did not have a job. <laughs> there was no job for me. In fact, I signed up uh, and looked at Pittsburgh Public Schools. And then they said they had an eligibility list that you had to sign up and to get on in order to get a job. And until then, you had a sub. Now, y'all, I'm not bougie and I'm not prideful in a way that's arrogant. But I was like, I did not spend four years and got scholarships and grants to be a sub. Like, where they do that at? But literally, that is how you got into the door. And so I ended up going to this one school, didn't stay there because I didn't like the school culture, went to this other school, um, Founders Hall in, in McKeesport, and fell in love because it was family. But I did not know that I would be the only black male teacher in, wait for it, drum roll please, the district. This district had two elementary schools, one middle school, and one high school that I believe at the time maybe had up to 2,000 students. Don't quote me right now because I don't have the numbers in front of me. But at that moment, I did not know in the entire district, because northern districts are different, you are district um, separated by boroughs. So even though it's Allegheny County, it's not like Charlotte here, where we're all one county and we're all one school district with different cities um, within or towns within the district. That is not the case there in Pittsburgh. In Pittsburgh, there are boroughs. And so I was in McKeesport and it was its own borough with its own district with its own superintendent with its own taxes in that community that built the school and supported the teachers in that school and so what I found out was that the year I came in pretty much the three black male teachers that I came in they retired and that school district was pretty much 45 percent black and they had no black male teachers not a one y'all and so I'm used to like being the only right and so I remember it didn't bother me as much it really bothered uh, parents and in a good way they literally came in through the doors on open house and grandmothers um, came through the doors and was just like oh my god we didn't know you were here like I got that so many times they just did not know um, a brother was in the classroom and I was like, yeah, I've been here. And at that time, maybe two or three years. or this is my first year here. They were super excited that their child had a black male because outside of coaching, outside of security, outside of custodial staff, outside of bus drivers, there were no black male teachers in the district. And so here I was stepping up and being the only did not know I was the only didn't feel like I was the only because I was surrounded by so much blackness within the school. If 45 percent of the school is black, then there are black kids all over the place. There are there are things common to black culture here in America, not saying that we are all the same. We are not all the same. And so students began to identify with me differently. The way that I talked was different. First of all, I came from the South. And so they would ask me to repeat things that got on my nerves. Say that again. How do you say water? For whatever reason, I said water differently. I don't know. They would ask me to do stuff like that. But they knew 
that we had a similar culture because we looked the same and they related to me differently because we looked the same. And so, and when I say the same, I mean as we identified as black. And what I found out was that I was needed more than I thought I would be needed. Being the only black male in a school district, people look to you for the black answer, the black experience. And though I was not, um, the people at my school district did a great job of uh, accepting me and respecting me. And it felt like family, honestly, for real. Um, because in that community, there was a whole bunch of biracial kids. And so it was so different because growing down South, I literally heard my coach tell us to leave those black, um, these black boys better leave these white girls alone, like literally out of his mouth. And so it was taboo for there to be interracial dating where in the subset community that I was in, there was a whole bunch of interracial dating. And I was just like, Oh, this is different. This is a little, this is a little different, just a, da- a tad bit different. And so I learned that my presence meant more than just being a black teacher and a math teacher. I became father. I became big brother. I became confidant. And I know there's a push in our culture to not have the black male be the disciplinarian, be the person that you go to. I'm having a problem with these black kids. Do you know how to solve them? No, we don't necessarily know how to solve every problem with every black child because we have problems with our own black kids in our classroom. And so it's 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 accepting. I had to accept that. Yes, I had a lens that I could lend to some people, but I wasn't the answer to every black problem in the school. And so I had to realize my power. My presence brought power. The one time I do recall being like, God, I'm the only black male. I was running late for a Falcony meeting. And if you know me, I do not like, you had to literally walk into the cafeteria with everybody seated down and everybody would see who would be walking in late. I would, that, that, mm, that is a <laughs> trigger for me. I don't want nobody eyes on me. And so this is this little joke that black people, we got CP time, color people time. They were going to be running late anyway. That wasn't me. I'm on time for stuff. And so I remember I was running late one morning and I walked in the cafeteria and I saw a sea of whiteness. And I was like, oh, this is where I teach. And it, it was it, it. It was if time stood still and I was like. Oh, I'm the only black person in the room. This is weird. Wow. And so the issues that black males have is finding a place to identify. Finding black male teachers in general, finding someone to identify with. Though this community had a great family, I still missed some of my culture. You know, if you're from Pittsburgh, you do certain things. And if you're white from Pittsburgh, you handle yourself in certain ways. You have certain outlooks. You have commonalities. I didn't have that. And so what troubles many of us is the the community 
that we necessarily may or may not feel connected to. And we don't stay where we don't feel connected. And what I've learned as a black male teacher is my voice is powerful. When I raise my voice, it is different when other people raise their voices. There is a perception that if I'm upset, I can be the angry black man. I've literally seen some of my white students kind of like, oh my gosh, what is about to happen when I do that? And some of my black students be like, that's how my dad sounds at home. And so (laughs) when you think about that, when you think about the lack of exposure to a black man, people don't know how to handle that because they haven't been exposed to it. And I don't know if I have any black male teachers out there, but I'm I'm trying to encourage you to stay where you're at. You mean the world to these kids. You mean the world to every child. And I will have my white students said I've never had a funnier, more um, well-rounded teacher than you, Mr. O'Neill, that understood me, that cared about my education. And love goes beyond skin complexion. Love goes beyond pigmentation. Love is an action. And every race can feel the intent of love. It has not been easy walking into rooms and being the only. I've gotten used to it in a way, but I've learned to leverage who I am because one thing people may feel like if you're a token, you're here because you're the token, but I'm going to show you I know how to teach and that teaching in some of the most deprived communities have made me the most creative person. I can do more with less than you could ever think of. It has made me so creative in my approach. I, I remember leaving that school district and going to another school district that was predominantly, y'all won't believe this. It was 97% white, 2% black and 1% other. I literally, and that's a whole nother lesson, y'all. I talked about the internalization of um, racism in that lesson. I literally remember walking down the hall in a sea of whiteness and I had to grapple with who I was as a man, as a black man, as a math teacher, that I am not an imposter, that I am in this school because I'm an amazing teacher and I got this job because I killed that lesson. Like, Who wouldn't hire me after that? But I had imposter syndrome mixed with internalized racism and I did not know how to show up with who I was. And which is another thing that if you not if you're not a part of the culture and your culture is not the widely accepted one or seen one, sometimes you may you may just um, not show up as you. You may bow out of being yourself because you're not used to not being in an area where you're not accepted or 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 not saying you're not accepted or what is seen is not your norm. And so why would I kind of stand out of the norm? It takes a lot to do that. It takes a lot. And to end this today, I know people feel, and I've done a piece on this. I wrote a blog about this, that black man, you did sign up for this. 
I'm, I'm saying to every black male teacher, you signed up to be the father, the big brother, the disciplinarian, the expert. This is what you signed up for. You know why you signed up for it? Because we didn't, we don't see you. You have to be the expert. You have to be the person that knows how to deal with the unknown black male. You know, you have to be that person that knows how to talk some kids down and to speak a language that they see or they experience because you experience the same thing. And I know we're not all the same. I know we don't all get down the way the same way, but we have to understand that when you signed up to be a black male educator, you signed signed up to be a mentor. You signed up to be a father. You signed up to be a big brother. And it may not seem fair, but I'm telling you, we don't have you there. You're not present in the classroom. And there, since there is a lack of exposure to black maleness, you have to become the expert. And is it a weight to carry? Yes, it's a weight to carry. Yes, it's a burden to carry. But your love and your impact. Do you know that students that act out and my black males that go crazy sometimes in the classroom, especially if I do anything competition wise, do you know that if other people came into the classroom, they would think it was chaotic? But I know that the culture of what we're doing, we are going to talk smack we're going to get loud. We're going, <laughs> we're not going to back down from what I've seen based on the culture of our experience. We love competition and we will talk junk to your face. That's how we get down. And so other teachers not knowing that atmosphere, not knowing that culture can look as if there might be bullying is not bullying to the degree where someone can come back. <laughs> that can come back with a come back um, and not and, and getting their feelings hurt doesn't mean they they shut down they show up the next day with something else but it's all in love when it becomes hate that's when we shut it down but because of my cultural lens my cultural perspective I can look and die, look at a situation and just be like oh just let her yell she'll be all right like it is what it is. Like there is no need to heighten this situation. Oh, they're having a moment. Let the, let let them have that moment and just walk away from it. They'll be fine. But that is the reason why black male teachers have different expectations or black black teachers in general. We have different ex, different expectations for our students because we know what some of us have to go through to show up to be in that classroom. We know what the expectation were when we were in school. And so when we lift it for others, when we're able to see, oh, that's not a behavior problem. That's not totally disrespectful. That's how they talk in their house. What you will have to do is to remind them, hey, watch that tone with me. Hey, I'm not your mama. Hey, I'm not your daddy. You're not going to talk to me like that. Hey, you got to correct it. You got to, you got to turn that off. You got to turn that down a little bit because that's not going to be totally accepted here. I am trying to encourage you, black male teacher, minority teacher, teacher in general, but this really is geared towards my black male experience that you matter. You really do. Your voice matter. Your presence matters. And you don't have to be the dancing one. I'm the, the part of the culture that I'm removed from. I don't know none of the music that these kids listen to. 
as a Christian male, like I don't get, I don't listen to it. Like I don't know. And I don't need to know the latest dance. I don't need to know the latest, latest, whatever. That's when they call me old and I'll just be the old man right then and there. But I do know how to love my black kids, love them to a place of excellence. And that's what they need from me. Listen, I hope you enjoyed my perspective of being a black male teacher. I just wanted to share my heart today in this Black History Month. I have so much more to share in the realm of blackness, but I wanted to just highlight why black male teachers matter, why black teachers matter. And we're going to get to the history of why. (laughs) I mean, there's just been an attack on black people But we will, listen to me, we will continue to overcome. Listen, if you ever want to connect with me at any time, you can look me up on Instagram or Facebook at Mr. James O'Neill, O-N-E-A-L, or Twitter and LinkedIn at Mr. James O'Neill, no period or dot there. Or you can email me at info at Mr. James And you can always check out my website at www.mrjamesoneal.com. Listen, I hope today you feel enlightened, inspired, moved to do something that will make this amazing day awesome. Again, I'm so excited that you joined me. Today, today. Have an amazing day.